This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called How to Maximize Your Referability So You Can Sell More While Pitching Less. As always, I'll kick off today's episode with a brief story before introducing my guest. Soon after starting MarketVolt, the email software company I founded in 2001, I began to attend a bunch of BNI meetings. BNI, which stands for Business Networking International, has several chapters in St. Louis where I live, and members of various chapters invited me to their meetings because they wanted me to join. I saw it as an opportunity to introduce my business to new people and do some networking. BNI chapters are all about dishing out referrals. When you join a BNI group, you're expected to refer fellow members to others, and BNI keeps score. At each meeting, every member stands up and announces all the referrals they dished out. Members are supposed to meet a certain referral quota. If you don't get with the program, you stand out as a rotten referrer and maybe get kicked out of the group altogether. Each BNI group was different, but all had the same rule, just one person per industry, so you didn't have competitors fighting over the same pool of referrals. A typical group might have a plumber, painter, insurance salesman, marketer, lawyer, roofer, financial planner, and so forth. I usually knew one or two people in each group, including the member who invited me, but most were strangers, and in every group I visited, I met one or two people I simply could not imagine referring, and that always kept me from joining. This forced referral model didn't work for me. I was expected to put my name and reputation on the line to refer people who might or might not be worth referring. Sure, I could shy away from referring the ones I didn't like, but then I wouldn't be pulling my weight in the group. And now... Referral programs with similar models have popped up like weeds all over the internet. Groups of people agree to promote each other's products online, and then members flood our inboxes with referral emails. Sometimes I get the same referral email from two or three or four different people in the same day. I know a lot of people who swear by this model, online and offline. They've done very well with referral networks, but it's not for me. I don't want to refer someone just because I happen to be in the same referral network with them. I want to refer someone because they earn my trust, earn my appreciation, earned my referral. I want to refer someone who has proven their referability, which leads me to my guest today. Michael Roderick is the CEO of Small Pond Enterprises, which helps thoughtful givers become thought leaders by making their brands referable, their messaging memorable, 
and their ideas unforgettable. He's also the host of the podcast, Access to Anyone, which shows how you can get to know anyone you want in business and in life using time-tested relationship-building principles. Michael speaks and consults on how individuals and companies can create referable brands for themselves so they can be top of mind for partnership, media opportunities, and more. Michael's unique methodology comes from his own experience of going from being a high school English teacher, something I did also, uh, to a Broadway producer in under two years. Michael Roderick, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, um, really glad to have you here. I I see eye to eye with you on this stuff. And in in the bio that I shared with everybody, we talked about time tested relationship building practices. So, mm-hmm. talk to me about this notion of relationship building for the purpose of referability and growing a business. Yeah. So. Ultimately, you always want to, in a relationship building scenario, be thinking about seeing through the eyes of the other person that you're talking to. You want to really have an understanding of what are their problems, what are their challenges, what are the things that they are looking for support with, and be very clear about what those things are so that when you are out and talking to others who have different types of services, you're able to say, oh, okay, that person's dealing with that, you know, that problem. And this person would be a good person to potentially refer. I I also think it's really important to get to know somebody and make sure that their personalities and the way that they kind of operate in the world will match with the people you're planning on referring them to or connecting them to, because somebody may be a fantastic service provider in regards to what this person's looking for, but they might actually not be a very good relationship match in terms of just the way that they operate and the way that they do things. Yeah. I love that point. That's such a critical point. And, and I've been burned by not applying that principle. I have in the past referred somebody who checked all the boxes, had the skill set, good service provider, but I hadn't thought about, you know, are, are these two people, uh, right for each other? Do they have the right personality? Do they, do, do they have, uh, approaches to business that are going to meld well? And then I've made a referral. It doesn't work out. And I realize it wasn't about the skill level. It was about just, they, they missed, they didn't connect. So, so how do you figure that out? I mean, what mm-hmm. uh, this is uh, this is not easy to do. It takes some time. Yeah. It takes some effort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that what it ultimately comes down to is that how somebody interacts with you is very, very likely going to be how they interact with somebody else. Yeah. Right. So if you're having a conversation with somebody. And you feel like they are short with you or rude with you, or you feel like they're pressuring you into a sale before you even sort of get a chance to talk about anything that you're doing. 
there's a very good chance that's also going to happen to the people yeah. that they're, you know, that you refer them to and, and and that side of things. There's also the dynamic of some people will be just very, very conversational and, and like to sort of get to know you and sort of have that vibe. And there are some people who they don't actually want that, right? There are some people who they prefer very, very short, quick, like, can you help me or can you not? And that's it. They don't want to be a conversational person. They don't want to be within that dynamic. So when you start to notice that, when you're like, oh, okay, this person, like we could talk forever and it's really fun and you know, et cetera, you're probably not going to want to introduce them to somebody who's literally like, tell me exactly what you want. You've got 15 minutes. And if you are going to do that, you have to warn them. Right. Mm. So I've had instances where there have been very influential people that people have said, could you make an intro? And I've kind of looked at the balance of it and said, okay, I do think that both of you would benefit from knowing each other. But before you get on the phone with this person, I need you to understand they are very, very succinct when it comes to their communication. It's not that they're rude. It's that they are literally going from one thing to another and you've got five minutes. Yep. And if, if you can handle that, that's great. But if that's a concern for you, or if you're like, oh, I don't really know, tell me now, because I don't want to reach out to them, set up this meeting and have either of you feel awkward about it. Yeah, I, I love that advice. And there's a common thread going through what we're talking about here. And that is really understanding what makes people tick. How do they operate? What, how do they behave? And in, in story power marketing, we talk all the time about this idea that you're not going to get the story straight. You're not going to get your marketing to a place where it's captivating and compelling unless you really understand what makes your prospects tick. It's not the story of you. It's the story of your prospects. And you're talking about it in a slightly different context. But in, in effect, when you're making an introduction and when you're putting together people for uh, referrals, it's, you know, you've got the, the vendor who has a product or service, you have the person who might be in need of the product or service, and you have to understand what makes actually both both people tick in order for that referral to be uh, effective. It requires empathy. It requires human understanding. It requires all these skills. So it's one of the things that that attracted me to you as I got to know you, that so much of what you bring to your work and that you preach in your work is tied into what I do. Empathy, human understanding, connecting, listening, paying attention. Talk about that a little bit about the, the power yeah. of, of all of these, the power and the importance of all of, of these things. Well, I think that the, the thing that tends to happen mm -hmm. is when we're talking to others, we either live in the past or we live in the future and we don't necessarily spend a lot of time in the present. So sometimes we're thinking about like, where is this talk going to go? Like what's going to happen? You know, where, you know, how is this going to work out? Especially if we're in a sales situation or something that sort of fits into that category. But then there's also the aspect of living in the past where somebody will mention something or something will have happened uh, a couple of moments before and your brain is kind of in that space, right? And you're thinking about that thing. And while that's happening, you're missing everything the other person is saying. 
right? Yeah. So it actually takes a lot of effort to be an active listener, yeah. to really be in the moment with people and hear exactly what they're saying. And when you do that, when you're really focused on that, you hear all of these details that you might not be hearing if you were thinking about other things, or if you're just thinking about how am I going to get my story across, or how am I going to make sure that this person knows, you know, what my offer is or what my value is, or, you know, any of those types of things, you're missing some of the most vital information that will give you that info on sort of who this person is and what they could use help with and give you ideas as to how you could support and how you could help them. And so what tips or recommendations do you have, Michael, to, to not miss, to, Mm -hmm. to develop that, that habit of listening more effectively, noticing more effectively? Yeah. So I am a very firm believer in having a notepad or having something with you that you can basically slow your brain down. Because if Mm. you've got a notepad, you have to kind of slow down to write those notes, whatever that person is saying. So now your brain can't just jump around all over the place because you're kind of focusing and using those and using those notes. The other thing is if you have a small notepad, it means that you have to narrow things down and only write down the things that really stand out. Whereas when you've got a large, a, a big notepad or a big notebook, you could sit there and write an entire novel and then you're actually not listening as well because you're sitting there trying to record exactly what the person's saying as opposed to being like, okay, that's an interesting point. I'm going to jot that down. That's an interesting point. I'm going to jot that down. And then by the time you get to the end of the meeting, you've got all of these very succinct notes that are touch points that you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wanted to make an intro about that. Or I, I see that that person deals with, you know, th- this element of things. Oh, this is a point of differentiation in terms of how they do things. You know, all of those types of, uh, types of elements. Yeah. I, I just love that advice. And, and I want to emphasize what we're talking about is so, so powerful right now because it, it applies to making connections and, and referrals and introductions. It applies to discovering client stories and marketing your business more effectively. What we're talking about here are developing habits supported by systems and tools, a narrow notepad, a process of taking notes and so forth. There's deliberate system and supporting tools in place in order for us to do a better job of listening and noticing. Listening and noticing, understanding, building empathy, making connections. These are practices that require nurturing habit um, that require practice, that require getting better. The first time you try what Michael is describing, the note-taking approach, it may not feel natural and easy to you. Keep doing it. it. It will get better. You may discover that a different set of tools and a different approach work for you. That's okay. But the big takeaway, I think, is that you have to commit to this idea of I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to draw the key ideas out. I'm not going to let action uh, 
action items slip away. I'm not going to let my mind go too far to the future, too far to the past. I'm going to be present. And to do that, you have to have a plan, a system, a set of tools to support it. So I love that, Michael. Thank you. So tell us um, your journey, school teacher, Broadway producer, business consultant and coach and and so forth. Tell us, tell us how that path happened. And then I want to hear more about, you know, uh, how beyond providing tips on, on the story power marketing show, you can help our listeners and, and people out there really put some of these principles to work. Sure. Sounds great. Uh, So, yeah, so I started out as a high school English teacher and I went from being a high school English teacher to becoming a Broadway producer in under two years. So Mm. a, a lot of people... Uh, have always been curious about sort of like, how does that journey happen? How do you sort of move so quickly? And one of the things that I discovered while I was learning how Broadway works was that most people who are raising money to become Broadway producers seek credit first. So they Mm -hmm. go to producers and they kind of, uh, they basically negotiate with those producers to get credit on a show, to be able to be a co-producer or an associate producer or whatever the scenario is. And the way that you negotiate that is you promise that you're going to raise a certain amount of money according to whatever the amount is that the credit is attached to. So for some people that could be 50,000, for some people that could be a hundred thousand, for some, it could be 500,000. So when I saw this, I had this realization that I was still so early in the process that I couldn't really go to people and promise that I was going to be able to raise that much money because I hadn't done it yet. So what I did was I took the opposite approach and I basically went to producers and said, I actually can't promise. I have no idea how successful I will be within this, but if you're willing to give me the paperwork, I'm willing to go out there and just see what I could potentially do. And at this stage in the game, I just want to learn how to get better at raising money. I don't really want credit right now. I don't really care about credit right now. So what ended up happening was I had a lot of Broadway producers who everybody else was sort of coming to them and saying like, this would be my cut. This is my, you know, this is my credit. This is what I want. And I was just coming and saying like, I just want to get better at raising money. So can you give me paperwork? And most of them took, took me up on that offer. But what it did was it created a whole different scenario when I was talking to investors, because now I had a portfolio of offers mm-hmm. as opposed to just raising money on one show. So if somebody told me that show wasn't a fit, I had four or five others that were kind of just like swirling around. And I was like, you know, this one might be a better fit for you, or this could be a good, you know, option for you. So I ended up raising a lot of money for different producers kind of behind the scenes. And that eventually led to just word getting around about the fact that I was, you know, doing it. I was actually out there raising money and I was successful at it. So uh, a producer approached me and basically said, if you can raise this amount of money, we will give you credit on this show. And I was like, okay, well, let me, you know, give it a shot. And I raised the the amount of money that I needed to raise, and I got my first uh, Broadway credit uh, in a very, very short period of time. And and these principles we've been discussing, 
you've you've left the classroom and you're out there making connections and and being introduced to new people and connecting dots and raising money how what what are some of the early lessons that you were learning in that work that you're now applying to the work that you do today yeah so I think the the listening piece is obviously one of the is one of the biggest like really paying attention to what it is that people that that people want um but one that really has just always stood out and I think really applies to pretty much everything I do today is uh I I used to say RAB is attracted to T um uh TAC and that's uh rich and bored is attracted to talented and crazy <laughs> so most of these investors really just wanted something that made their life feel less boring. Mm-hmm. And in some cases that was, can I be around a celebrity? In some cases that was, oh my God, that producer's so wacky and crazy and he wears those silly outfits. Like, But whatever it was, they were like, that's interesting. And it doesn't sound like everything else that I'm doing. So I want to be mm-hmm. around it. And that has always translated into pretty much everything that I do, including the work that I do now, where it's like, if you want influential people to pay attention to you, if you want people to refer you and talk about you, you have to be referable. Like you really have to think about, well, what is your way of thinking? What is your way of doing things that causes other people to say, Hey, I met this person and they do this. It's kind of a fascinating way of doing it. Would you like to meet them? You know, are you interested? Because the thing that we often forget about is that referrals are all about how good we look to our network. Right. Because if I can refer you to somebody who is top tier, or I can refer you to somebody who's at a higher level or is doing something at a more sort of influential stage, then I look really good to you as yep. a result of being able to do that. And I think that's the thing we forget about a lot. A lot of people will look at referrals and be like, oh man, I, you know, guess I got to give a referral. You know, I guess I got to, you know, get, and it's like, No, if you really know a fantastic subject matter expert who can solve that other person's pain point, you will look fantastic being the person who's Mm -hmm. able to recommend that. And the thing is, most people only spend their lives as service providers, and they never, ever graduate to being a resource. And when you're a resource, the service that you provide is great, and people love that. But when you're a resource, people seek you out as uh, all the time because they're like, who do you know? Do you have ideas? Can you help me? Can you support me in this journey, in this thing that we're, you know, that we're working on? You mentioned earlier, Michael, that the, that sometimes there's just not the personality connection and that, that can, that can undermine a a relationship. Mm -hmm. And you use the phrase subject matter expert. So, Mm -hmm. Subject matter expertise is, uh, no offense to you, subject matter experts, somewhat commoditized. You know, yeah. the, the the expertise, the the person who knows stuff is dime a dozen. Yeah. So, what's the difference between the subject matter expert who's dime a dozen mm-hmm. and the subject matter expert who is referable? Yeah. So uh, 
it comes down to the idea of we've, we've all heard a lot of this idea of like the go-to expert, the go-to resource, the go-to person. And that's, that has become commoditized, right? Like we, we know go-to people. What we want to aspire to is to become a go-with person. Mm. We want to be a person that people follow and say, I need to go with this person. I'm interested in going with this person. And the way that a subject matter expert moves from that just go-to expert kind of world and moves up to the go-with expert is by actually taking the time to package their own intellectual property, to come up with their own thing, something that that can actually be referred back to them. Yeah. And this is the work that most subject matter experts do not do because they spend so much time serving their clients. They spend so much time helping their clients and supporting their clients that they never sit down and say, how am I helping them and how am I supporting them? And how do I actually describe this? How do yeah. I break this down? What is my model? What is my way of talking about this? Yeah. It's, it's so, so rare that that's done. But when that's done, that's what moves you up to that next level. We, if you look at any top selling book, top selling, you know, top TED talk, any of those types of things, you are going to see somebody who has what I call an innovative framework, mm -hmm. right? And entrepreneurs, they spend all their time, you know, thinking about your your why. You need to think about your if. What is your innovative framework? What is mm. your way? of helping people see the the world the way that you see it and helping them accomplish the things that they need to accomplish. And how critical in in your innovative framework is creative content delivery? I ask that and I, I should note that Michael sends great daily, right Michael, mm -hmm. daily emails. Yep. Yeah. Um similar to what I do, we have that in common. And so I'm a big believer in, that's <laughs> what I do, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Creative content delivery as a differentiator, as part of the innovative framework. So talk for a yeah. moment about where, whether it's email or social or video, where does creative content and storytelling fit into the structure of building an innovative framework and standing out. Sure. Uh, so we've all heard of the idea of content marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's sort of gotten to a point where, again, be, it's become a buzzword. It's become commoditized, right? And the idea of content marketing is that I write something and then you are going to come to me as a result of me writing, you know, writing whatever that, whatever that thing is. And what I propose and what I do in my daily emails, what I do in my social posts, what I do in pretty much everything is content market research. Mm. So mm -hmm. I write about the pain points and the issues and the challenges that my clients go through. And I name those pain points, challenges, and issues. Mm -hmm. And then I pay attention to unprovoked response. 
Mm-hmm. I pay attention to, do they email me back and say, oh my God, that's so you, you just named exactly what I'm going through or, oh my God, that like, I, I, I want to know more about this. Right. And that tells me, oh, I should tell that story in a talk. Right. Or, oh, I should use that framework in the next workshop that I'm doing and see how does it land when it's actually executed and sort of I go through that process. But the content market research helps me to see what is hitting with people, what's not hitting with people, what's working, what's not, and really get a better sense of what's going on with my market and how are they thinking and what are they worried about and what are they concerned about? And that's where that aspect of things really come, uh, comes into play for me. Yeah, I love that, Michael. And 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 by the way, just a few moments ago, we were talking about systems and tools related to developing practices of listening and noticing. You've mm-hmm. just described another one. It's mm-hmm. it's a systematic way of listening and noticing and putting your finger on the pulse of the market so that it's not just subject matter that you're dishing out. It's it's empathy, understanding, relating to your audience, and you stand out as the one that, that, you know, your, your audience is going to respond to that by saying, oh, wow, Michael really gets it. Michael's really paying attention. Michael knows what I'm going through. And that's what you want your audience to, to latch onto. It's not the information first that they're going to buy. It's that connection that that's all rooted in, oh, he knows me and like, he knows me. I know him and trust him as a result. And yeah. so it's really powerful, really powerful what you're describing. So somebody who, who wants to dive deeper and really build their referability, what are the channels by which they can do it with you? Yeah. Uh, so I run a mastermind called Hitmakers. And uh, basically, you know, lots of people in the thought leadership space end up kind of in that world of destiny's child. Um, and there's only a handful of Beyonce's, right? Uh, <laughs> and the Beyonce's are Beyonce because they have a single ladies, right? They have a hit. Um, so basically, I run a mastermind called Hitmakers, where what we do is we treat it like the writer's room of thought leadership. So I get a group of subject matter experts together to actually stress test their big ideas develop it into a high-end offer, and really learn how to both listen to each other, refer each other, but also look at their concepts and really narrow it all narrow it all down. And the big thing is, as I said at the very beginning, most people will not do this on their own. So the way that I've structured Hitmakers is you work in the sessions themselves. So yeah. I don't give you homework and send you away to do stuff that you're never going to do. You literally work on the sessions within the group and get feedback from the group during the sessions as opposed to just sort of like on the side. I think that's great. And and short of signing up for the mastermind, mm-hmm. uh, what are ways that people can interact with you and, and entry points into your world? Sure. Um, so I have, uh, if they go to myreferabilityrater.com, yeah. I have a uh, tool where you can basically see like where you kind of fall on this referability side of things. It'll give you some questions that it'll help you start to kind of think through that, uh, that process. Um, and I'm pretty much 
on the socials in in lots of different places. I'm I'm on the book of faces um, as Mike Roderick, um, mainly uh, because there was a hacking situation that had happened at one point. Um, yeah. But I'm also on LinkedIn, and I'm Michael Roderick on LinkedIn. So if you want to say say hello there, I'm always happy to uh, always happy to chat as well. Good. And if someone wants your emails, where do they sign up? Oh yes. Um, if they go, if they do the uh, referability rater, they can. Uh, they'll get an email that lets them know about that, um, and they can also go to um, Mike's Daily email. Um, I think I think it's Mike's Daily email But I'll I'll let you know if there if that's uh, yeah, well, if I need to change that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll we'll get it right in the show notes and yeah. And, uh, so if you're listening or watching, uh, just look for the link in the show notes and and you'll be able to find all these things that Michael talked about. And Michael, any parting thoughts before we call it a day? Uh, the I think probably the, the biggest one is that you cannot underestimate the significance of making other people feel significant. Hmm. Uh, always, always, always think about how am I making the other person across the room feel heard, seen, and thought of? And if you do that, it's uh, it's really hard to go wrong in that. Yeah, I I, I want you to repeat that one because I just sure. love it. Yeah, um, you cannot underestimate the significance of making uh, other people feel significant. I love it. I love it. You know, as, as we've been talking, Michael, I'm I'm thinking to myself, there are so many little one line nuggets that you've dropped in this conversation. Um, you're you're great at that, um, and and they're not. You know they're not throwaway lines. They they've got deep meaning. Um, so as we process this recording and get ready to share it with the world, uh, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of social media promotion where I, I I take a nugget, link to the the uh, to the show. There are so many lines that are going to get people's attention. And, I love it. Uh, I I recommend that that. All of you who have listened to this point, go back, rewind, listen again, because this was an episode loaded with with wisdom and actionable tips and things that you can apply. And I recommend that you go and check out Michael's stuff, get on his email list. His is one of the go-to emails that I open the moment I get it every day. And uh, I just highly recommend that you tune into what Michael's doing because it's great stuff. And it's a great honor to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we'll keep the conversation going. I'll, I'll uh, see you down the road, Michael. Awesome. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Take care. See you next time. listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business-building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. 
and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm